And I have to say, um, when I mention our names, like this Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, Brez of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world economy form. That's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina and uh, it's true in France now. Mm -hmm. I'm here with the president, with a young global leader, but... And so who do we have as we walk, uh, Klaus, in, in, uh, in the different meetings? What type of uh, stakeholders do we have, Are we the constituencies? Stakeholders, we have, uh, if, if I look at our stakeholders, we have business, uh, of course, uh, as a very important audience, and we have politics, we have uh, uh, continuous uh, uh, partnerships with many governments around the world, and of course we have NGOs, uh, we have trade unions, we have all those different parts. Media, of course. Media, of course. And very important um, experts and scientists and academia. Because if we are looking at the future, I think we should look at new solutions. And the new solutions will be very much driven by technological uh, developments. And we even have, uh, you even have religious leaders, right? We have religious leaders. We have social entrepreneurs, very important social entrepreneurs. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, February 1st, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. A lot to talk about, as always, including the fact that we were yet again kicked off of one of these useless dying platforms. But there's always going to see this is always going to happen, and that's the least important thing going on today. There's a lot of really important stuff coming out, specifically from Johns Hopkins, a study from Johns Hopkins that is just destroying the entire narrative. And it's not anything you haven't already heard on the show. <laughs> that's the most absurd part about it. This is these are everything you've heard already, so it's not going to surprise you. But whether this is part of the planned rollback, which it seems like, I mean, it's it's becoming clearly more than even just COVID stuff. Like it's. Something weird is going on right now, and I think we're all beginning to see it. Uh, so we were just sharing something in the Discord about how in 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 uh, what where was it in uh, was it Canada? I believe yeah, it was Canada where they were voting on blackface, which is ridiculous to vote on in the first place. Uh, it's just <laughs> for a thousand of reasons, but the point is they're voting on whether it should be bad or good, and you know whatever, and they vote that it should be bad, and then the side that supports Trudeau stood up and voted that down like disagreeing that we should stop that and condemn this. And I'm just going, how does it even make sense? Like, I just feel like they want us to be confused and everything means nothing. And it's just every, suddenly everything you thought was fake news and we're yelling at us, we're liars for and dangerous for are now admitting on the news, but yet we're still calling people like us crazy and fake. And 
I, I think it's kind of the same idea of the mass psychosis. I think they want people, almost us, to kind of be like, wait a minute, like, are, are we supposed to be talking about this or talking about that? And, you know, I, I think it's important that we ask ourselves always, to what degree are they allowing this to happen? To what degree are, are these stories we're covering what they want us to look at? And it, it doesn't always mean that if that's the case, we shouldn't talk about it. Like, I'm telling you right now, I have a weird feeling about the whole trucker thing not because I don't think it's important, as you've heard me say, or because I don't, because I feel like it's not organic. There's a, I mean, this is easily one of the most obviously organic and massive movements we've seen, like the yellow vests. But I can almost promise you, and I can already tell you, I can see things happening within it from leadership down. And it makes me very uncomfortable for where this is going into 2024 territory. And that's where this is being kind of co-opted already. And it's, it's, it's frustrating because we're there. Like I can see it. It's right there where you guys can see it too on all sides of the illusion paradigm that we are the majority and we're just about to get there. And then Trump and Republicans and left and two party paradigm swings. and just wraps everybody right back into whatever the new QAnon is or whatever the new Russiagate is or whatever the new ploy is that drives you back into their narrative. And I know people are really want to believe that somebody's going to help them, that Trump just has your best interest at heart. Maybe he does, maybe I'm wrong, but it's time that we recognize that even if he does, it's not going to change because the system is built to stay the same regardless of who they pretend has a difference on your day. But the point was how much things are rolling and changing. And I think it's so crazy to watch. And Johns Hopkins comes out with this massive study, multiple, I think 23 ultimate massive studies that were put into a meta-analysis after a huge grouping that they looked at just broke this apart. Lockdowns, masks, none of it had no, basically near to zero effect on everything they're talking, well, specifically mortality. And we're going to get into this in regard to masks. And I have a great clip that I haven't actually played that I've had in here for a while that somebody else made. It's, it's He's credited in the video about Fauci and the whole mask breakdown, talking about how good cloth masks are and how they're going to work for you. And we should all be using them. And except we always knew they didn't work. Isn't that the narrative right now? Isn't that interesting? It's just, it doesn't make any sense. But we're also going to talk about, well, and, and well, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff, including the censorship briefly, because I, I don't think that's the most important thing, but I want you guys to see what just happened there and where else you can look and so on. But we're also going to briefly go over what, what I think might have triggered that. And I do believe it was most likely the ivermectin discussion after, because <laughs> as we always say, it's not fake news until you prove what you're saying. And that's what Patreon admitted. And look, there are people all over all over every platform talking about ivermectin or talking about all sorts of things that you would even argue are wild, crazy, dangerous, whatever. And yet they're still there. And I'm not saying they should be censored. Yet the moment that we talk about things that are just definitive, like the Nobel Prize winning drug and the different studies from Japan and those things are coming out showing that they have antiviral effects, the very thing that they're desperate that you're not supposed to know, boom, just like that, censored. And that was the, vid that was the video they pointed to. But there's also a couple other things that we might think could have triggered this but we'll get into it as we go through. But we're also going to talk about the flu. And what do you know? Remember that dangerous twindemic that they said was going to happen last time and it didn't and it disappeared and then I explained it by a bunch of nonsense. It didn't add up. And then I go, oh, but this time, this time, the flu, because of everything else that totally works, even though we're going to get into how that totally is not true. But they're going to say the flu is going to come back. It's going to hurt you even more. And then, whoa, it looks like it disappeared again. Weird. It almost probably fell into the same spot it went last time. It was right into COVID-19. And I mean that as in complete misrepresentation, but it's interesting to see how this is happening yet again. And guess what? Yet again, they're blaming it on how good we did with all of our lockdowns while simultaneously going, but we're all struggling because you're not doing what you're supposed to just like last time. And of course, some negative effects in regard to the 
data that's showing you, this is specifically in regard to children, which it just breaks my heart, exponentially more likely to be harmed by these injections. And this is coming directly from the UK data, as most of this tends to come from. But then on the idea of the pandemic of the injected, there's an interesting thing that I just got, somebody just put in front of me that I'm just, this is really fascinating to me. And it's called the pandemic of the PCR negative COVID-like illness. And we're going to get into that and how apparently, not apparently, based on their data, the majority, 76%, in fact, of the people that are in the hospital for a COVID-like illness are being tested and they're told they don't have COVID-19. And these are numbers that are being used to bump up the COVID-19 narrative. And you'll see what I mean. And this is a really huge part of this. And so it's, it's a factor of the pandemic of the injected, because the interesting part is the people that are in those hospital rooms, the 76% of people that are in there that are being tested and told they're negative have all been injected. And so they're in the hospital with all sorts of different problems. And they go, oh, but you're negative. So guess the vaccine works. But does it? And this is my point about the concept of whether the graphs they're showing us in the UK and Scotland, wherever, they're not including all of the other problems these people are having. They're only going, do they test positive for COVID? Then they're included. They have the injection. They're testing negative. But look, they had a heart attack. This thing's happening. They got cancer. They have the flu. All these things happen just like a domino effect after they got this thing. And but we're like, it works. <laughs> it's a big deal. And we're going to get into it today as well as a few other things. But before I get into it to start, I wanted to make sure you guys know, as we show you the censorship thing, that I'm going to need, I'm going to be relying on you all more than ever now. This has always been an open source show, just like James Corbett. As you all know, he's one of my, he's one of the people that I started watching early on in this before I ever started. And I I emulate everything that he has built, such as open source, you know, share, sourcing everything we talk about, user funded, all of it. I mean, I, I respect, respect him immensely. And that's why I do that. But the point is Twitter regardless of how broken it is and how, you know, everything, every part of the problem, all these platforms are YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, they're, they're the problem. However, Twitter has always been a huge source of information. And yes, a lot of it is, I mean, 50, 50, you, but that's discernment. It's called being intelligent. You need to do your due diligence and find out whether or not it's accurate, not just take it because it says what you like. Half of it's probably fake on Twitter and that's what it is. That's post probably anywhere, but it's always had a good stream of information that you could find and add and break down in real time stuff. And now they kicked me off the table. Now that's, and I'm, I'm, there's still ways I can look at it. So if you guys out there still want to send me tweets, I'm apparently I'm still able to look, but I'm not going to promote them, but I will use the data and information to share. But what's interesting is I think this is where we're at right now. My point was that I'm going to need you guys to send things more than ever. Send them at the email, Ryan at the last American vagabond.com. I'm sure my assistant's going to love that. That's Shouting that out, more emails to come in, but it's all information that we can continue to digest and get and break down for you, but anywhere else you can send it. But I think they just kicked me off the table. I think that's what this is. The narrative is falling apart. They're rolling back everything that we have been censored for saying, and now they're being admitted to, which is called eating crow, but they're not doing that because they're pretending they're not wrong. They're pretending we were still wrong and they just quietly put you in a censorship corner so you can't say, yep, see, I'm right. They, they, you're not even on the game anymore. They're like, oh, look at this. And the quasi-independent media steps in and goes, breaking news. Look at what we just discovered for the first time ever and nobody else is talking about. Sort of like how we're seeing on Fox News and quasi-independence. It's all that's what's happening right now. And they bump you off the table. Same, same with Corbin. You know, they just kick you out of the side. But we're not going to stop and you're going to keep watching. The point is that anybody honest out there is going to continue to do their research, but I'm afraid that where this is going is going to suck everybody right back into the paradigm. Now, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling off, but this is important stuff for me because I feel like where we're at right now is really, really important. And the censorship is just an obvious part of that. It always has been. 
But before we go any further, I wanted to make sure I shouted out the video we played in the beginning. And this is a really, I mean, Jay Wilderness doing a great job as always. We, this is one of the videos. Uh, this is the individual that made the video we played in regard to the collapsing athletes, which went viral. He's doing a great job. He's making a lot of, I mean, I've only played a few of his, but make sure you check out his channel. He does a great job. I don't know how in the world. Well, I do know how in the world. I only got 7,000 subscribers, which makes no sense. His videos get like 10,000 views. Obviously, they don't like, you know, whatever. But great video. And the point is watching Klaus Schwab tell you about how we can basically influence, at the very least, all of these people. If you really don't think it's, if you think it's okay that an unelected person of any stature, especially someone as powerful as he is, has influence over half of an entire presidential cabinet, I, I don't know what the time, can, we can't have a conversation. I mean, if you think that makes sense, then, I mean, I don't even know how to finish that sentence. Like that, that is, you, that's deranged. That's obviously conflicts of interest. But the point being, he's talking about all over the place. He's talking about all over the world, Me, uh, religion, media. I mean, this is incredible. But then just, I'm going to play this at the end, by the way. So make sure you stay tuned to the end. But he goes on to play this video that is just, I'll, I'll just play it for a second. Outstanding. Going through all of these young leaders who, by the way, are world, it's World Economic Forum young leaders. That's what they are. Supports a, and, and this is the important part. On their research, and this is the Forbes from before we got here, of course, or in the beginning, the young, the forum of young global leaders led by the World Economic Forum supports a comprehensive great reset. Oh, shocking, right? The thing that's not supposed to be real until they kind of admit it's real while simultaneously saying it's a conspiracy theory. It's obviously something that's there that they've been planning. And all of the people in the global leader group are openly and, and at the very least kind of on the hook because of their support group to support this thing. So are, why would they then... In the beginning of this, go, uh, uh, Great Reset? Uh, what was that? Is that I, I don't know what that is. Is that fake or is, is that fake news? What do you mean build back better? That's just my thing. I, I don't know about you, but I made that up, right? They're lying to you. If you can't recognize that by now, when in the beginning and long before we got here, these people who came up in this young global leaders group were openly in support of the Great Reset. And then once in the positions, we're going like, what's the Great Reset? I don't even know what that is. Right? Like, and, 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 and the Dutch politician calls out the other guy and says, well, here's where you posted this email where you thanked him for the book, but you don't know what it is? Like, how do we not see how alarming that is? If they're pretending they don't know what this is, why do we not realize how important that is? I think that's incredible. But the point is, these people, every one of them, have very clear ties to the World Economic Forum and this young leaders group, this Gavin Newsom, Tony Blair. I'll play this at the end. Ivanka Trump, right? It's across the board, guys. And that's not, it's, it's not, not left and right is an illusion. And they know this. It's time for us to realize that too. And here's also his website. I'll include that. You guys can check out all his works, doing a fantastic job. Now, before we go forward on this, I have to shout this out because this is gigantic news. Now, some people might not feel that way. And I do agree that it, it may not amount to anything. Doesn't mean it's not important news. I agree, as somebody pointed out earlier, the UN has made statements like this a thousand times about Israel, and nothing ever seems to happen. But this is still important because of how not only has the narrative been changing in regard to Israel and Palestine before even COVID-19, but during it, a lot has been shifted. But now we're having, as far as I can tell, almost every single leading human rights organization, and I shouldn't say every single, but the leading ones like I can see, Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, Betselem, they've all come out unequivocally and said, Israel is an apartheid regime, which by the way, by definition means racist. Now, the point here is that they're all calling that they're calling it this, the government. And then of course, Israel and the ADL and APAC and everybody comes out and says, you're a racist. 
But so we're calling, we're proving you're an apartheid racist regime and your argument is you're a racist. So you no, you're the one. <laughs> That's the epitome of Israeli government argument right now. The reality is it's very, very, very clear. And we how only so far you can pretend that every one of these groups are somehow racist against the very group that there's, I mean, these are groups that historically are at least ostensibly, I don't agree that they're all on everybody's side or doing the right thing, but supposed to be fighting against these kind of things are for human rights, right? So when all three of these groups come out and one of them even uses the exact phrasing as a, of a Jewish supremacy in regard to the Israeli government, that's not my terminology. That's what they said in regard to these groups or this government on the ground that Israel occupied Palestine. I mean, that's huge just because of the way it shifts the narrative. Israelis apartheid against Palestine, Palestinians, a look into decades of oppression and domination. The point is, guys, this, I believe, will tip the scales a little bit. I do actually think that, but it doesn't mean anything's actually going to change because the U.S. government and Israeli government don't care about facts and reality. They clearly show you that. But as long as the perception changes around them, all of them, we can push and pressure and make things change. And we're watching it happen. I mean, just read Robert's updates on what's happening and the changes of, of the Palestinians and how they are having an effect. And Israel's government is, is nervous about this. They do not have the kind of control and impact they used to in regard to these people on the ground inside of specifically Gaza. So anyway, the bottom line is this is a good thing and we need to support this and we need to call this out and make sure that this doesn't get buried as somehow literally everybody anywhere in the world that points out how Israelis gov Israel's government are committing crimes is somehow a racist. I mean, they're committing crimes. That's clear. The UN says that, and they call the entire United Nations body to racist, even though the, Israel, the US government's on it. The point is, it's ridiculous. We can all see them committing crimes. Either they've never, ever committed a crime in the history of their entire existence, illegal and otherwise, or they're calling you racist for pointing out their crimes. And realize that there's a whole situation in there where you can actually be calling out their crimes, even if you think they're not committing crimes and you're not a racist. But you see, there's no air in that conversation for them. You either are a racist or you think they're the best thing in the world. I don't know why we're so childish about these things. It's, there's obviously more than that. Read it for yourself. It's very, very, very serious and obvious and how long this has been going on. And I'm hoping it's going to change. Great work as always, Robert. He's knocking out of the park lately. On top of that, in first, Israeli police admit misuse of NSO spyware. What? You see what I mean? Like, this wasn't necessary. But yet all these kind of things are coming out almost like they want you to come out and be like, like, these are things that we were telling you before COVID. Not we just any independent media, whether it's Israel, the United States, we're going, look, this is what they're doing. And this may be clear about this. This is not them going, oh, we just did this yesterday. We're admitting it now. This is an ongoing admission to what they have been doing at the very least during COVID-19. They've already been caught using these kind of spyware systems during COVID they claim for tracking. But it goes back so far before that. Oh, and guess what? It's also ongoing still for the Palestinians and whoever else they want to track around the world, too, because the Israeli government has already argued openly in their own uh, in their in their own legislation, their own legislature. That they have the right to 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 act, enact policy anywhere in the world they want. They've said that openly. But yeah, but that's racist, right? It's racist to point out what they said openly. But Israel, poli Israeli, Israel police admitted on Tuesday misuse of the spyware. They're openly telling you that. In a brief statement that doesn't go against any, any, any specifics, they said additional findings from its inner, inner internal probe changed in some ways in an earlier statement last month that ruled out any wrongdoing. <laughs> right, so they lied to you before, and then they go, but now we're admitting it. And the way they describe that is, well, we 
added some information that sort of changed the fact that we weren't doing the right thing. <laughs> wow. That's a re- talk about trying to bet the mental gymnastics to make that not an overt crime is beyond me, but they are very clearly telling you that they broke the law. Why? I, I don't know, but it's interesting. And of course, nobody will be held accountable for this. Pegasus being the, the, the system we're discussing here. Whitney's been talking about this from the past. Now, going forward, I want to talk about the censorship that's happening here. And how, and then, and then from this, we will lead into the COVID-19, specifically Johns Hopkins, but a quick touch on the ivermectin conversation for those that missed it, just because it referenced, I think this is one of the reasons we got censored. But here is the account where they, or the, the, the email where it says spreading, misleading, and potentially harmful misinformation. That's actually what they, what they're accusing me of in this. Now that's always what they've been saying, but just think about where we are right now and think about how many things have shown to be exactly, and I mean exactly what we have been telling you. Now, sure, there's been plenty of things that I, that I think I've gotten wrong, that I think I've, that I know I've gotten wrong, where I've corrected them. And of course, these weren't monumental things. These were discussions and nuances where we were diving in and maybe misreading statistics or whatever. Not like an outright title that says, more people are dying in the unvaccinated versus the vaccinated. And then it turns out, oh, oops, it's the exact opposite. Not like that. Not like the CDC or the mainstream media have to do right now, not even remotely. And here we are, where they are censoring me and everybody else out there that continues to do the, the honest work. And th- that doesn't always mean being entirely accurate. I mean, as somebody just pointed out, what about what happens if Russia doesn't invade Ukraine? Is all the mainstream media going to get censored for fake news? Are they going to get attacked for dangerous misinformation? Of course not. It's a constantly moving metric that means nothing and everything. It's only how they apply it. So here we are discussing things as such as, you know, Sajid Javid openly saying in, you know, in, in his legislature saying, look, we are going to roll this back. Okay, that's the first one. Required UK healthcare jabs ending. Clearly real. He said it openly. Moderna approved. It's clear. I guess maybe they don't like my quotes. Maybe that's censor worthy. Remdesivir ploy, which even that, that's weird, by the way, the amp in there. Remdesivir ploy, which, you know, so that, that you get into this, what I'm looking at in that, well, let's, let's be clear. Moderna approved was Moderna's documentation and mainstream discussions. That's all it is. Remdesivir ploy was the posted FDA or the emergency use authorization for Remdesivir and the approval. And we read through it and I pointed out exactly what it says and how that is contradictory. Fact, but proved it, fake news. Mainstream media, ivermectin psychosis. And here we are. I'm pretty certain that was the point. The mainstream media psychosis around ivermectin, and this proves that. Because if think of what we're looking at right in this moment is unreal. And we'll dance through it again in one second to show you how clear this is. And even show you how my first tweet with somebody else's account is showing you how deranged even these so-called experts are in regard to that this exact discussion. But as you can see, account suspended. Don't you love that? I love the inherent contradictory nature of being permanently suspended. I love how stupid these people are. Because the point in that is we are too meek and feeble and feckless to actually delete you because we know that we're actually wrong deep down somewhere. Because this is a legal thing, and I'm telling you this. I only started seeing the permanently suspended and all these platforms right around the time when they started just being ridiculous about how openly they were censoring factual information. So now they, I promise you, if this came to some kind of a court of law, which it probably never will, all they'd have to do is say, oh, we were in the process, right? Well, I guess permanently you could d- debate that. But the idea of just be, like even right here, just being suspended, they're going to, oh, well, you know, we'll just, we put it back. 
right? We found out we were wrong and we put it back. We didn't delete him. It's all still there. Legally, they may have an argument there. The point, nonetheless, is that they're cowards first hiding behind this. Somebody tried to post their own tweet with a TLAV link. Oh, weird. Something went wrong, but we don't know what's going on. And she tried over and over. Other people did the same thing. Apparently, most people are telling me they're not allowed to even post TLAV links anymore. Like even like people like off guardian and different groups, they just give you that warning link. Right. But apparently T lab is just no go zone anymore. What does that tell you? Who else is getting this kind of treatment? I mean, really now the people that want to attack us are going to be like, that's because you're the biggest fake news. And obviously, I mean, very, very clearly that's not the case. You can look at what we're talking about. If anybody has the time to actually go and look at the research or actually watch the show, you'll see quite clearly that we are looking at peer-reviewed science, mainstream discussions, and you know, breaking it down and how they're lying to you, but ultimately factual things that you can prove for yourself. And you know this though. I don't need to tell you that, but think about how crazy this is. And as she said, oh, I think I had it right here. She says, check it out. Couldn't post a tweet sharing the website, but it let her tweet it once the link was removed. Just a coincidence, I'm sure, right? Also, simultaneously, wasn't censored yet on Facebook. I'm sure it's coming. But they just ha- I just happened to see this in the same day. Isn't that weird? They're just putting their, their ducks in a row. There are changes made to your video because the following actions were applied. They censored like half the video because of this. Oh, because of the Eisenhower address. And it, it, the time frame isn't even, even inaccurate, by the way. But the point, nonetheless, is that they are censoring based on a clearly fair use clip, right? We are a news organization, whether they like that or not. And we are sharing clips about historical documents. Even when you play mainstream media or a piece of a movie for crying out, anything that relates to your news, you're allowed to share these clips under what is called the Fair Use Act. They know that. They don't care. Breaking the law, as always. But here is, again, why I think this is happening. Now, this is just a clip that makes my point for me. It's not necessarily that this is the focal point, but this is what we're seeing, right? We are watching the narrative rollback. We're watching them drip this stuff out. And of course, that was all started by, or, you know, the, the impetus where we saw it begin was people like Tucker, right? The moment that was started to roll, he was the coming out and poking at masks and poking at vaccines, you know, and, and all of a sudden it starts rolling out. It's uh, whether or not you think he's genuine or not. The point is that this is a controlled action. There's a level of this where these people, like, ask yourself why people like Tucker weren't talking about these things all the way until now. You know they're seeing the stuff we're talking. This was overwhelmed on the right in their discussions. I promise you this stuff was there. Like, for instance, when he reported about the 2015 random controlled trial in cloth masks, but inaccurately said it was from 2020, that was months and months and months and months after people like us have been screaming about this. My question is simply, why is it only happening now after it's being allowed to be discussed, and yet people still think they're breaking through? in regard to the mainstream, or even, by the way, the quasi-alt media out there who are right now yelling, they're the only ones and have always been the only ones on this topic. I can't believe we're the only ones. We're breaking this out and nobody's trying. Yes, and you know who we're talking about, and they know that they're wrong. They know about the work we're and everybody else is doing and have been since the beginning, usually the ones out there that weren't talking about at the beginning, many of which went out and got the injection. The point is that now all of this is being pushed away and people like us are being knocked off the table. That's not an accident, especially after you Twitter just got some updated versions and all these different things. But take a listen to the opening of this clip. Alex Berenson has been covering this almost alone on Substack. He joins us now for his reporting. Almost alone, huh? Right. 
almost alone, almost alone. He's been covering this stuff just out of nowhere. What a courageous person. Alex Berenson, what is this? Uh, it's we're at a very dangerous moment, Tucker. And, you know, I, I, I'm not exaggerating. I think this is probably the most important appearance I've had with you in the last two years. Um, it is it is completely clear now that uh, the vaccines don't really work at all against Omicron. Um, in, in, in these highly vaccinated and highly boosted countries, uh, rates of infection are incredibly high and rates of serious disease and death are also rising. The Israelis are predicting that they're going to have more serious cases than they ever had at the peak last year. Yeah, you know, you know I, I mean, I could let it play, but it'll be redundant. You've heard it all a thousand times on this show. You know, and you can tell quite clearly by Tucker's furrowed brow that this is breaking news, right? This is brand new information because it's interesting. I mean, I'm being facetious, but the point is not to disparage the fact that they're talking about it. I'm glad it's reaching people. And to be quite honest, as I've been very clear about, Alex Bernenson has been doing great work in regard to COVID-19, whether or not you believe he's this or that or whatever. But I'll always point out that he seems to be completely deluded in regard to cannabis, which is just hilarious to me. But regardless of that, by the way, they're both uh, both of them are being manipulated by the same powerful people, but one is totally dangerous and you're going to die if you take cannabis. But over here, we're you know questioning what they say about these. It's just funny to me because that's previous work that they don't want to counter, which you know dishonest to my opinion. Regardless, the bottom line is that this is not the first time or whatever else, but we're seeing that across the board. And I really do think that that's why people like us are being kicked to the side because this is a we're watching this happen in real time. They can't allow people like us to have a big enough platform. And don't forget, we were just about to cross 14,000 on Twitter again, you know, after brand new account, after having over 40 the first time. And you guys heard me. I said, oh, we're over 10,000. Here it comes. <laughs> we're going to get censored again, which is, it's, it's a good thing at the end of the day. Like, let them push this and make, and make their bed. Because you know that we're not going to stop. I'm not going to stop doing this. That's not going to happen. Here's my Gitter account. I'll include this. Most of these haven't been really in, 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 uh, pushed into, used a lot on my part, but that's going to change. I'm going to make a point to try to make these more focal so we can, and look, and that's me. See, that's, again, there's so many parts to this. That's me not even taking my own advice. I should have been using these just as much and just, you know, as we're like, we're all, we're all busy and we're trying to factor in what we can get done. But this is a failure on my part because if I had grown these enough, it wouldn't matter as much, right? Here's my gab. I'm going to include all these for you guys to check out. And here's my parlor. Now it's funny because now guess what that looks like? Oh, look at T-Lab. He's on all those Republican sites. He's about right now. Why is that exactly? Oh, that's right. Because they kicked me off everything else, right? It's just so funny. They, that will be some, somebody will frame it that way that I am only on these platforms now because I'm a alt-right, whatever. Like that's how that's going to get framed. It's fun, hilarious. But anyway, there's a lot more platforms, you know, that I'm also on and I have all those listed below. These are just the newer ones that are Twitter like right? Now, here is the account of Emily, the fantastic assistant of the last American Vagabond. And as it says right here, and, and now maybe possibly Ryan too, shh, quiet, don't say that loud. This is a great, a great uh, account to follow. And I recommend you do because, you know, it might just randomly take the place of what was happening on the other account, you know, sort of like we said last time, who is this guy? Who is this account? And why are they doing exactly what Ryan was doing yesterday? Now, to be quite honest, I don't know if I'm going to start a new account. I just, I, 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 I'm, I'm more and so seeing the direction of Corbett and how, you know, these things can be utilized without supporting them like this. And I still stand by my argument from before that there's a valid reason to use these for people like us trying to report the information for to be inside. But at the same time, you know, people disagree with that. And I can see why, 
But overall, I might not make another one. I'm still deciding. But here's an interesting idea we just had. You know, we've been talking about TLAV pirate streams, right? And we're doing that. We're right now. We're live on a pirate stream. And I mean, we there's there's been like 20 other channels that have been deleted by YouTube. I think we're up to like 60 or 70 videos now that they've that they've censored after they've kicked us off multiple t- YouTube channels. Which I know that dr- probably drives somebody crazy because I'm sure it's being seen. Somebody out there is frustrated that T Lab is still on YouTube and complaining to them, and they can't do anything about it. So how about we start T Lab pirate posts? I'm not sure if it'll work the same way, but how about this? I already have two people that sent them to me. Send me. If you don't care about your Twitter account and you're not and you don't you're not concerned that it might get deleted, send me your login, send me your credentials. I will start posting on it, and we're going to follow these on po- uh, Twitter with TLAV Pirate posts. Now, to be clear, I am going to focus more on the new you know the new platforms because I don't want to support Twitter, but I do want to get this out there for people on Twitter. So let's start TLAV Pirate posts. Let's do TLAV Pirate Twitter. Let's, let's be the pirate radio of the world of independent media. Let's make, because right now we're breaking through on, we get two, three, four, 5,000 views on a YouTube channel that has six subscribers because they now know how we do this. So if we start dancing around on Twitter platforms and keep posting this stuff in, they'll keep deleting it, but we'll keep it in there and it will drive them crazy. And that's what I love about it. <laughs> so TLAV pirate posts. Let's keep, let's make that happen, guys. Reach out, send me your information. And here is the pinned tweet on the, the uh, eye of the doodlebug at doodlebug eye. That's the great TLAV uh, assistant post you guys can check out. Well, she'll be sharing stuff on her own. Here is the first post on this, this platform by somebody who's totally not me. It says, somebody talking about ivermectin, four days apart. That this guy apparently who has a shirt that says no vaccine needed apparently died or something happened to him. It's not even really clear. It says just visited the COVID last have on the cold man flu, woo flu. Okay, so he's sick. That's the, I mean, that's intentionally cropped. So I'm sure she's hiding something. But the point is, so this guy got sick. Okay. Wow. That's a very close. So could it be the flu? Could it be anything else? Probably, but they don't know. But she's happy to go. Boom, four days apart. This guy doesn't like vaccines and now he has the sniffles. I knew it. But here's the best part. It says, not to state the obvious, but if you're adverse to averse, averse to the vaccine because of how seemingly little it was tested on humans against COVID, which by the way, we're not supposed to admit, but I guess they can only admit that when they want to use this to counter something else. Right? See how dumb that is? They would argue your fake news for saying that. I have some troubling news about ivermectin, she says, implying that it wasn't tested on humans, right? So I followed up by going, or excuse me, I had a doodlebug followed up by saying, and what news would that be, you medical expert, you, that you don't know how to do your due diligence, you, dang it, typo. The point is, if you read this study, you'll find that it is very, very, very clear. And in fact, it's done in the context of COVID-19, September 2021, ivermectin, multifaceted drug of Nobel Prize honor distinction with indicated efficacy against new global scourge, COVID-19. So clearly right out of the gate, clearly tested on people for COVID-19. So she's stupid. Then it says, since March 2020, when ivermectin was first used against new global scourge COVID-19, more than 20, 20 random controlled trials have tracked such inpatient and outpatient treatments in regard to COVID-19. 20 gold standard random controlled trials. They don't even have that many in regard to saying, I mean, for their injections, for crying out loud. Six of seven meta-analyses of ivermectin treatment, random controlled trials reporting in 2021, six of them out of seven found notable reductions in COVID-19 fatalities with a average of 31% relative risk of mortality versus controls, which is relative. I always point that out. During mass ivermectin treatments in Peru, 
excess death fell by an average of 74% over 30 days in 10 states with the most extensive treatment. So clearly we can tell it's never been tested on people, right? Reductions in death correlated with the extent of ivermectin distribution of in all 25 states that it clearly wasn't tested on people. <laughs> Efficacy against emerging viral mutant strains. That's important too, that it goes forward regardless, which even the injection clearly doesn't do. By the way, because even the one they just approved is still based on the original strain, which means that it is not making things that are useful. In fact, it's making things that are dangerous. And that's all been verified by the science, but who cares? Fake news, right? Now, the other point, where were we? And then I follow up and post this one, another one, right? Just so you guys can see them. You know, these are here. This one is in regard to specifically healthcare workers. As a healthcare worker, you'd think she might know that, but no, doesn't know. And a 28-day follow-up, significant protection of ivermectin preventing the infection from SARS-CoV-2 is observed. Talking about rats? Are we talking about birds? No, we're talking about a human trial on this exactly healthcare workers and how it actually had an effect. And she's going, it doesn't have an effect. We haven't tested it. And finally, the most recent one from Reuters, which you saw, and this is what's getting us censored. This is what this last show was like. Ivermectin shows antiviral effect against COVID. Japanese company says. Now, yes, it's just one study, but it backs up all the rest of them that are peer-reviewed, that are clearly saying, clearly antiviral effects, which is the whole crux of their argument, that it's not, that's parasite, that's it. And of course, there's no comment, right? There's nothing, but it's just nothing. But this person who is a, a, a healthcare worker, as you can see, has no idea about this. Either doesn't know, doesn't care, whatever. And is willing even to make fun of somebody who may get sick or die, who knows, but somebody who's struggling, making fun of them, using them as an argument for why she's right, even though she's blatantly wrong. And we get censored. You see how that works? It's just unbelievable. Here's another one, by the way, we just talked about a huge citywide observational study. Nonetheless, it is obviously backing up what other peer-reviewed studies have said, like this one that says undeniably in a massive way, 20 random control trials, obviously has an effect. And then just to add to this before we go to the next topic, as of yesterday, in fact, today, Fed's contract with Pfizer for Paxlovid has some surprises. Now that's a total clickbait garbage title because all it really is is gushing about how great this is and talking about what a great deal they got. Here's the point. The United States is spending about $530 of your money out of your pocket for each five day, for each individual five day course of Pfizer's COVID-19 pill, Paxlovid. Remember, which is basically just a complete cop of ivermectin, which any expert that's honest out there, including ones that are on the other side of this you know, debate, as it were, saying that. This is very clearly, I think John Campbell's one that said that this is obviously just, it's, it's like ivermectin, but not even close to as good. That's what he said. Not verbatim, but that's what his argument was. But the contract for the first 10 million doses would allow the government to get a lower price if one of a handful of other wealthy countries gets a better deal. It's, it's, they're just, this is a game. And Pfizer is clearly profit, profiteering here. You have to pay for this. Do you know, let's be clear about where this money comes from. Do we need this? Do we want this? Are Americans calling for this? By and large, no. As they keep from your view, ivermectin, and this is why I think we're being censored for this right now. They're pushing this pill out aggressively. $530 a treatment as they censor the real-time peer-reviewed science of ivermectin that does way better at what they're trying to make. Then, and here's the contract when you want to go through it, says here, since the contract was signed, Pfizer and the government have moved up the production targets and doubled the order to 20 million treatments that you're paying for. 
So the 10 million treatments that were slated for delivery by September are now supposed to arrive by the end of June. Gee, I wonder why there's such a rush. Maybe because they can clearly see that this is falling apart in front of them. The additional 10 million treatments are due by the end of September. How crazy is this? As they censor this, they're pushing out their own version of ivermectin that probably won't work and probably has its own serious side effects if everything in history makes sense. But on top of that, recognize that they are not, this is the early treatment, right? They're doing everything they can to stop you from doing anything before this other than taking some aspirin and waiting to get sick, which is not even a joke. As I've told you before, my father himself, after getting sick, after taking the injection, even though I warned him not to get it, he got sick just like his wife did uh, pretty much weeks the week or so afterward, both of them, boom, boom, got the injection, boom, got sick right afterward. Then she later got the booster. He hasn't. So we're told, and she got sick again right afterward. The point is when he first got sick and he went into the hospital and after he got the test and cause he was concerned, even though he wasn't really sick, that's the interesting part. It's what we're seeing today. People are getting a test. They're told they're sick. They go to the hospital. Why exactly are you sick? I mean, he didn't, he wasn't very, he just went in because he, they told him he was sick. So after that test that tells him he's sick when he might not be, he goes in and they go, oh, okay, well, here's, take some Tylenol, go home and call us if you get, if you get sick. That's not a joke. So you're worried about your hospitals being overwhelmed, even though that's clearly an illusion in most places. And your solution to somebody who could potentially become one of those people is go home and come back when you get sick. I mean, that's incredible. There's so many things like these ivermectin discussions out there, but what about just the other things that have always been on the table, like vitamin D? Oh, that's right. They already illegalized that for any other use. You see where we're going? This is on purpose, guys. And then here's an interesting one that'll probably add to the, I mean, I found this to be pretty obvious. I've seen discussions lately coming up again about melatonin in an interesting way. Now, none of these are meant to be like monumental. Except like, for instance, the cannabis one seems to be pretty huge, I think. I think that one based on the cannabinoid study that found that they were clearly helping you fight this stuff, a lot of stuff off, by the way. It helps your immune system. But there's a lot of these side things that are being shown to have effects like ketones, like the keto diet, where it's showing to have interesting effects on keeping this, this specific issue away from you. And that's interesting that that's something they were overtly attacking before this. Isn't that funny? Well, here on November 20, 2020, at Health Essentials, it says, can melatonin help treat COVID-19? A new study has some promising findings. What do you know? Now you can read this for yourself. It's interesting. It's it's about, you know, essentially about sleep cycles and how it gets your, it, it's very interesting. The point is not that this is completely defined as absolute, but rather they think based on the study, it seems like it definitely is worth trying. And melatonin is as natural as it gets. Your body produces melatonin. Then breaking news, CNN four hours ago, using melatonin for sleep is on the rise, study says, despite potential health harms. Hmm. Well, that's interesting timing, isn't it? Especially as the new information is coming out, <clears throat> I think like a couple weeks ago, talking about melatonin again, multiple locations. And suddenly they come out with this other study that goes, oh, melatonin might be dangerous. You mean melatonin that your body naturally produces? I'd love to hear why. Well, it says more adults are taking over the counter melatonin to get sleep. A new study found despite potential health harms and little proof of efficacy. I can't, I, I mean, I'm blown away by that. Little proof of efficacy, your body literally produces melatonin. How are we going to pretend that, I mean, this is, I think this is as transparent as it gets. Then it goes on to say, because of a lack of regu federal regulations on dosing, 
Ah, so because they can't control exactly what's happening, we're going to pretend we don't know for sure. And you're not going to look into it any further, so you can always go, we don't know for sure, especially when it's something you don't want people taking, if it may have a positive effect on something you don't want them getting better from. Who knows? All my thoughts, hypothetical. What we do know for sure, though, is studies are finding that melatonin has an interesting effect on COVID-19, and now they're coming out and going, oh, it could be dangerous. Because we don't know, it might not even be effective, even though your body literally makes it for that exact purpose. (laughs) Good times. Trust CNN, though, because clearly they've been on the right the whole time, right? They they knew cloth masks didn't work. They knew their other ones didn't work, right? They knew this stuff was, lockdowns were dangerous. They knew this, didn't they? Oh, that's right. No, they were still saying the opposite to this day right now, even though the evidence has been clearly the counter. I mean, we're watching them even embarrassingly kind of roll back these different things, but without really saying it. And that's what's most embarrassing, like the Scott Adams argument. I mean, that's the best example of what we're talking about. How embarrassing. No, no, no. You, you're technically right, but you're wrong, though, because you got lucky. You know, I'm technically wrong, but I'm right, though, because I did all the right things. I trusted just like I was supposed to trust. So I'm right. <laughs> I mean, it's just embarrassing. But brings us to the most important point today. And this is from the Western Journal. Johns Hopkins analysis explodes COVID lockdown narrative, little or no impact reducing deaths. Now, we're just going to couple two lines and we're going to go over to the study for you to look at for yourself. But COVID-19 lockdowns were not effective, according to a new study from researchers at Johns Hopkins. The report included an analysis of 24 studies separated into three categories. Now, those categories are self-imposed lock, self-imposed, uh, oh no, it was the, here, I'll just go to it. So you can see from the top, Johns Hopkins, and this is specifically from the studies in applied economics. This is January, 2022, <clears throat> a literature review of meta-analysis of the effects of lockdowns on COVID-19 mortality. Jonas Hervey, Lars, uh, Jonung, and Steve H. Hanaki. Now you can see in here that these people are, and they make the point, as we should always say, that this is, you know, it's a, specifically, this is uh, applied economics series under a general direction of Professor Steve Hanaki founder and co-director of the Johns Hopkins Institute for Applied Economics, Global Health, and the Study of Business Enterprise. So clearly somebody who's deeply invested with Johns Hopkins. So this is not some fringe thing that they might try to frame it as, which they'll probably do anyway once they attack this. But he goes on to say the views expressed in here, their group, and not all of Johns Hopkins, which is obviously the point. But the abstract is what it says is important. Here, I'll just go go right to it. No. Oh, actually, before we get there, what I wanted to read to you was what it defines these things as, so we can make this very, very clear. We use NPI, non-pharmaceutical intervention, to describe any government mandate which directly restrict people's possibilities. Our definition does not include governmental recommendations, governmental information campaigns, access to mass testing, voluntary social distancing, et cetera. Now, of course, because they're any, like, like Sweden, for instance, they didn't force these things So it's not part of it, right? But it does include, and this is the most important, mandated interventions such as closing schools or businesses or mandating face masks or anything they force, okay? So as we go through this, make sure what they're saying is none of those things had any discernible or rather any statistically significant effect on any of this. And we'll show you. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. We define lockdown as any policy consisting of at least one non-pharmaceutical intervention as described above, being forced on you without your choice, without you having any choice. Here's the abstract. This is huge. This system, this systematic review and meta-analysis are designed to determine whether there is empirical evidence to support the belief that lockdowns reduce COVID-19 mortality. Now, why that right out of the gate is so important to me 
Do you know what that tells you? And the reason they put belief, it tells you that there has never been science to back up what this is. Never. And by the way, you knew that because we told you that in the beginning. Remember in the beginning when Iran spoke up and said, there's no evidence to back up that's going to work. That's that's archaic. And they go, oh, Ron, you're so stupid. You don't know anything. And, and then, of course, even Ron ended up doing some form of this. But guess what? They were right. And we said it in the beginning. They are because they, the general discussion around things like this where there, there's no real science to back up this works. And they just shoved it in anyway because of the screaming of Imperial College London and the arguments of this, the experts like Fauci and the people that said this was the right thing to do. And as they said, they're determining whether there was em- em- ever evidence to support the belief. The belief. I think. I mean, that that's very clear that they just believed it worked. And then non-pharmaceutical intervention is MPI. And then SIPO is the shelter-in-place order. So those are the three things. Lockdown. Another version of lockdown, shelter-in-place order, and non-pharmaceutical intervention. All of them really relate to the lockdown, but that's that's what they say in here. Analysis of each of these three groups support the conclusion that lockdowns have had little to no effect on COVID-19 mortality, says the research group from Johns Hopkins. Stringently index, stringency index studies find that lockdowns in Europe and the United States only reduced COVID-19 mortality by point. 2% on average. Now, to be clear, all we're talking about is whether this reduced COVID mortality. The point is, if it only reduced COVID mortality, if that's even what we're talking about by 0.2%, it increased mortality verifiably exponentially more in every way because of the lockdowns in children, in pretty much everybody, guys, in so many different ways, because of lack of treatment in the hospitals, because of psychological issues, because of drug abuse, because of on and on and on. We already know this. So if it only reduced mortality by 0.2%, this is one of the most obviously catastrophically bad choices we've ever seen if it was not on purpose. And I believe it was. But either way, shouldn't somebody be held accountable for this? Obviously but they won't. I mean, I hope so. I just, I don't think that's what's going to happen unless we change everything. And I don't think we're there yet. Now it says shelter in place orders were also ineffective, only reducing COVID mortality by 2.9% on average, which means in many cases it was way lower in some cases higher, but overall it was not statistically significant. That's all that matters. Specific non-part, this is the most important part to me. Specific Non-pharmaceutical intervention studies, like studies on, and you can go through the whole the whole thing, masks, the, what we just talked about, school closures, also find no broad-based evidence of noticeable effects on COVID mortality. You realize what they're saying there, right? That they, That's not just cloth masks. Masks, mask mandates have no very clear noticeable effects on what's actually happening. How is, I mean, and that's in regard to COVID mortality. The obvious effect, I shouldn't, I, should, I said that incorrectly. The obvious effects are there. They're just not in regard to COVID. We are watching this stuff explode in front of us. And I've shown you this kind of stuff many times. This is why. This is the one I referenced that, that Tucker incorrectly said it was from 2020. It's the British, British Medical Journal, 2015. It is the only random controlled trial on cloth masks. I've been screaming about this since 2020. It's been there the whole time. And as always, I've shown you this, showing it's random controlled trial. And it says this is an important finding to inform safety. Moisture retention, reuse of cloth masks, and poor filtration may result in increased risk of infection. It's weird that they're not talking about that, right? They only want you to know now that they don't work, even though they've always not worked. And so too, the, the 
medical mass and the rest of them have, they're not statistically significant on transmission, which is the same point. We've always said that and it is true. But on top of that, they actually increase your risk of infection. They know this. In my, my mind, that's why this was pushed to use because it gets, it ends up increasing the, the illusion. Now, does everybody know that if that's the truth? No, most people, I guarantee most don't, but at some level, somebody knew about this. Why wasn't it discussed? And of course, it says further research, and this is the only one, look up for yourself, to, should, is needed to inform widespread use of these globally. But they didn't do that. And then it says a precautionary measure, we shouldn't use them. And they did anyway, right? So we have to ask ourselves, was that a choice? Did they choose to use these things? Now, either way, we're seeing it pan out where they're telling you. And that's not just this study, guys. The peer-reviewed science from before COVID-19 says the same thing. It's the same thing. And now we have Johns Hopkins telling you exactly what we've been saying, not just cloth, None of them have broad-based evidence of noticeable effects on COVID mortality, which is what we're talking about. Now, just to add to that, here's the Telegraph, and of course, they're blocking what you can see. Here's just a screenshot. Telegraph reported this back on June 2021. Lockdowns are, quote, the single biggest public health mistake in history, says top scientist. But oh, he's fake news, apparently, right? He was fake news then. He's, they're still calling fake news, even as Johns Hopkins literally tells, says he's exactly right, that it was catastrophically bad because of everything else that happened. You can read that article for yourself if you choose. It lists everything we've told you, the increase in all the problems. Now, on top of that, you'll also find it very insulting that this is why these people don't care about these things. Here's Gavin Newsom, yet again, for what, the 45th time being facetious, getting caught not doing what he's telling you that you have to do or you're going to go to jail or you're going to lose your job or blah, blah, blah. Same with many others, Boris Johnson, right? Where, I mean, that whole thing is coming. It's, they're rolling it back in front of you because they just got caught doing exactly what they're telling you you're not going to do or you can't do because you're going to kill everybody. They knew this, guys. There's no other. Remember, Gavin Newsom is one of these people on the, on the uh, global partners list. Right there. Oh, yeah, right there. Gavin Newsom, right? Who openly endorses the Great Reset in the World Economic Forum context. But you know, now that he's in a position of power, he's confused about what that is. Are you, or what is that? Isn't that a conspiracy theory? Yeah, the thing you openly supported when you were, yeah, of course, conspiracy theory, right? Well, let's watch this video. It's going to bother you because this guy has done this. I mean, realistically, I can think of at least three other times he's been openly caught doing exactly what he is literally having people forcefully arrested for doing. Very judicious, and you'll see the photo that I did take, um, where Magic was kind enough, generous enough to ask me for a photograph, and in my left hand's the mask, and I took a photo. Uh, rest of the time, I wore it uh, as we all should. Oh, cool! So you're just going to pretend that, right? Like you know, there's multiple pictures, so he's blatantly lying. Uh, not when I had a glass of water or thing, and uh, I encourage everybody else to do so, and uh, that's it. Oh, that's a, that's a great apology. As you get caught again and again and again, here he is at the same thing, lying. They're right to be skeptical and suspicious of people who hold governmental power because the tendency of people who hold governmental power is to lie in order to maintain that power. It says mass compliance, righteous civil disobedience, refusal to live by lies. This is the only way home. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers. I should actually know that by heart. Oh, I can't go back. Oh, well. So here's the picture. 
I don't see a mask in his hand. Look, what a liar. I mean, he's, he's just openly lying to you. Either way, he's doing exactly what he's telling people not allowed to do. Or that they're not allowed to do. There he is again. I don't know why people who support these the, everything are okay with that. I mean, especially because they're the ones actually doing all this stuff. Doesn't that bother them? Gosh, it's just so frustrating. But the point is, guys, this is falling apart. The lockdowns never had any effect other than hurting people. The masks never had any effect other than hurting people. I mean, all of this stuff is coming out. At the very least, the study is telling you they had no effect in helping people. And yet, we're still here. We're still forcing this stuff on everybody. Now, meanwhile, they're already building, I mean, right now, continuing to build the illusion in front of you. Still, has the flu fizzled out? Experts assess the threat. The threat? Yeah, because we've always been so threatened by the flu, right? How insulting is this, guys? That they just keep pretending like it's how do we keep fall? How do how does anybody keep falling for the same lie over and over? I just don't understand it. I, it's a choice. That's what it is. It's a willful choice because you don't want to realize that this is all very alarming because these people are dangerous. They're lying to you yet again. The flu, and I mean, think about this even, guys. We're watching this kind of overwhelmingly happen on the side of the injected. Cases are undeniable. Double the risk, spreading everywhere, 70% of the cases, all it's crazy. And so now they're still using the flu. I mean, that's what I, seems pretty clear to me, pneumonia, false PCR tests. And yet it's still low. Like, think about that. Like, imagine what this would look like without their manipulations. It might look like it doesn't even exist. That's pretty interesting. Just like Danny Rancourt would argue is that they have plenty of stuff to point at. And they're even using vaccine adverse events in many ways. But I think at this point, it's about making that something else, right? You don't want that. So the, the ultimately, Omicron being less dangerous is very revealing when you continue to see these things, when they continue to bleat about how they're getting worse and worse and worse with something that's supposed to be less dangerous. How does that even remotely make sense? Unless there's something else happening, such as the injection causing all sorts of problems. Now, some of these are going to be, they have to be reported because some people will force it. They'll want it to be reported. The doctor might say something, right? So we are seeing this, but here's what this says. And this is it's so ridiculous as it, and this was eight hours ago today from the guardian as winter approached, the situation appeared perilous. <laughs> oh, did it? Yeah. That's what they were saying. Dark winter. Oh, it's a dark winter. Not only was the UK in the midst of a COVID pandemic, not really, seeing as how back in March 2020, the UK openly posted on their website that this is no longer considered an infe uh, infectious disease of high consequence. I don't know why that, I don't know why that would, we would still pretend we're in the midst of a pandemic if you're calling it a disease of not high consequence, but whatever. I, mean, I wonder if I can actually grab that. I forget where that was. Let's see. Look at that. They pop up because I search them so often, but there it is, right? This is, this is the UK website right now. I mean, this is, this is, it was uh, last updated uh, May, 2021. So just so you can see, it's clearly well past that part. And when at time when they were telling us we were in trouble, right? And it says without, I mean, this is undeniably clear. Status of COVID-19. As of all the way back in March 2020, COVID-19 is no longer considered to be a high-consequence infectious disease in the UK. Now, it goes on to say that doesn't mean it can't do things and hurt, but so the flu, same situation. So how in the world can it be not no longer a high-consequence infectious disease, yet we're pretending we're in the midst of a pandemic? I don't, I, it's ridiculous, just like every other part of this. But experts feared fam familiar respiratory viruses could also hit hard. 
Quote, I will emphasize that actually no, actually flu could be potentially a bigger problem this winter than COVID. Like, why would you eat? So you're just guessing with nothing to back it up. In fact, here, I'll show you what they use to back it up. And it's ridiculous because it contradicts what Johns Hopkins just told you. It says, and this is the expert joint committee vaccination immunization talking to BBC. The concern was that lockdown and other measures <laughs> had not only reduced coronavirus infection levels, which clearly did not verifiably so, but also the global circulation of influenza. No, it didn't. It had zero, meaningless effect. 0.2%, in fact. According to the Royal College of General, that's death, but overall, the point is it had no effect. Statistically significant. The, pre- the prevalence of flu in the community in England was about 95% lower. 95% lower. <laughs> Yeah, clearly that makes a lot of sense, right? The upshot, experts said, was that immunity in the population would have waned, leaving people more vulnerable to the flu. So the immunity that they don't keep from the injections, which you tell us most people get, wasn't going to be there? You want to explain that to me? Right, everyone gets a flu. The people that get those shots get them every year because they need them every year, you tell us. And yet you're going to tell us that somehow, even though that's the process, that because we didn't do it this time or we weren't in, in, come in contact with it, that we were going to not have the immunity that we wouldn't have had anyway because we get a new shot every year. That totally adds up. I, I mean, there's, there's no logic there. If we already have to get a new shot every year, how does this any different? Narrative. And that could put pressure on the already stretched thin NHS. Nevertheless, flu has yet to deliver on its threat. Here we are again. Vanishing flu part two, according to the latest report from the UK security health agency, laboratory indicators suggest that influenza activity is very low with a similar picture seen in other metrics, such as online searches for flu inquiry. Yeah, because it's not happening because you're blending it in with COVID-19 and anybody getting COVID-19 or getting the flu is rushing in and getting a false positive test is telling them they got COVID-19. There you go. It's pretty damn simple. One important factor is that in, in many countries, COVID measures have remained in place over the winter. And even where restrictions have eased, behavior has yet to fully bounce back. You see the point? They're literally saying that this, the so-called interventions, lockdowns, non-pharmaceutical and otherwise, that this non-Johns Hopkins study and plenty of others are telling you actually hurt people or rather didn't help, but we know they did hurt people because that's already been discussed. And yet here they are just, this is what, this is my point when we talk about just talking points. These people are no, they don't even care about what the new current cutting edge information is. They know what the talking points are and the mainstream knows too. And they just tow those lines. Right now, we should know very clearly that these lockdowns didn't have any real positive effect whatsoever. That's been clear for a long time. And then we have to know how bad it hurt people. Just un, I mean, we'll never really fully understand the long-term consequences for, I mean, for a long time, because this is a, I I think we're going to see this this generation of children growing up into adulthood, and then we're going to fully, fully grasp the long-term consequences, and it's bad. I mean, you could just talk to anybody out there counseling children right now, and they will tell you that is overwhelming. They have never seen this many kids just in like broken. It's, it's, it's bad. And that's because of things just like this. Yet here they are going, guess how well they work. Even the flu is not there. Same lie they gave you last time. And it says, and even where restrictions have eased, anyway, you know, fully bounced back to pre-pandemic form. It says, quote, maybe we've dodged the flu for now, <laughs> but we're not, but now waiting for its inevitable grisly return. I mean, what does that even mean? So waiting until next year when it comes back and it's the same non-problematic thing that it always really is. 
even though people always die, they tell us from it, even though that's usually mostly pneumonia that they lump into flu anyway, the illusion they were using before this, yes. But it says, it, the flu stayed away because global application of social distancing measures and mask wearing have been enough to stay the day or keep the virus at bay, whatever they're saying. But the point is, masks. Right? They're actually arguing that social distancing and the mask, that, that, that's why we did it. Success. And this is why they're going to keep arguing that lockdowns, masks, and these interventions will be their model going forward, despite the science, despite the evidence very clearly showing at the very least they didn't have any discernible effect in a positive way. But this has already been decided, guys. This is the model. That's where it will be. And it's going to be continued to be used because of hand-waving dismissals and arguments like this that really aren't tied to anything other than what they want you to think. Meanwhile, we have Johns Hopkins proving they're wrong. doesn't matter. Here is the report they're pointing to. Of course, they don't want to tell you exactly how low it is because it's pretty ridiculous. In week three, 2022, out of 116,667 respiratory specimens reported through the Respiratory Data Mart system, based on data received from 16 out of 17 laboratories, so it's not even complete, 5,753 samples were positive for SARS-CoV-2 and an overall positivity of 4.9%, compared with 5.4 in the previous week. The highest positivity was noted in the 5 to 14-year-olds. And, you know, this is all based on massive false positives, especially in the children that have a very almost impossibly low risk, which has already been shown. I mean, how many times we break the story where you're with and from, your kids with broken legs are being tested and told they have COVID, that's a hospitalization, and yet it still keeps going. It's, 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 I, I'm baffled. The overall influenza positivity, and this is what my point in this too, is that, this is a muddle report that concludes COVID-19. That's what they do now, right? Don't miss how obvious it is that these things are, they're, I mean, on the CDC website right now still, it lists this as PIC, pneumonia, influenza, and COVID. And they report that as the COVID number. I've shown you this from the very beginning. I don't know why that makes sense to anybody. They call it secondary, but then flu disappears. Come on. We can't be this dense to not see this stuff, guys. And I'm not talking to you in the chat. It's obviously the people that don't want to see it. The overall influence, influenza positivity remained very low at 0.3%. <laughs> Get this, with 16, 16 out of 5,596 samples testing positive for influenza, one influenza, and then, uh, oh, that's weird. It just lists, it just says one right there. Anyway. Then it says, and then six influenza A and two influenza B. So basically a total of less than 20 out of everything they're seeing. 20 in the midst of what we're supposed to be in this twindemic. So are they censored for fake news because that didn't happen? You know, it's just ridiculous. It's obvious how this is just narrative and it's based on nothing but what they want you to think and fear. Fear. Now, meanwhile, as they're hyping up the things that are clearly only hurting people in the injected category, same point, but children. And it's really, really frustrating to see this continue to get suppressed. Official data shows children are up to 52 times more likely to die following COVID-19 vaccination than unvaccinated children. The ONS is trying to hide it. Now, it says back on the 20th of December 21st, uh, back on 20th December 2021, I believe, the, uh, the, yes, the Office of National Statistics published a data set containing details on deaths by vaccination status in England. Now, here's the breakdown. You can check this for yourself. What I keep, you know, it's really interesting to me, and I don't want to show this couple to change my screen sharing, but check this for yourself. A lot of these are doing this now. If you click this link to get this information, it doesn't bring you to some government page so you can verify that it's on, that this is government data. It brings, it opens up like your own, you know, whatever, you, whatever it's called on non-Macs, uh, you know, 
Excel or whatever it is, right? For, for Max, it's called uh, numbers. And it, it, it opens it up. And so it just ends up being like a, a, a spreadsheet with numbers. And that's, you could change them. You can manipulate it. So if, if you're going to show that to somebody, if I were to show you that on the screen right now, people would be like, you probably just made that up. People that don't want to believe it will dismiss it. And I think that's obviously on purpose. And then if you, I mean, just take this look for yourself. You'll get a couple of screenshots down here. The way that they break this up is just like with the CDC. It is all, it is other than the thing that they are able to suss out. And they do a great job on this report because they just, they find ways in other reports that give you the numbers you need to break down the math. But the point is, unless you do, you find these little ways through it, it's in, almost impossible to add this stuff up by the way they break it down. This is one of the ones that looks more accurate. But if you look at this from before, it breaks down by like month and then specific age group and then unvaccinated and then another way. And there's no line. You have to, you have to sit here for, if you, if this was your only job, you have to sit here for hours, breaking each category down, adding each one up and then do the next category and do the next one. And then once you're done with all of that, then add each other at each finding up and then find the air. It's ridiculous. That's why when we look at UK and Scotland, it's, it's, that's why we look at those because they actually break it down with the numbers they have, the risk next to it. And it's clearly showing you a pandemic of the injected very clearly. I just realized I have, did I, how did, oh, I'm coming up to next. That's weird. I thought I forgot something, but going through this and please go through this and look at it for yourself and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But what's interesting too, and I'll, I'll just read it because they say this in here, but I just think that that's intentionally meant to make this more difficult to break down. Now it says the data set contains various tables showing details such as monthly age standardized mortality rates by vaccination status for deaths involving COVID and uh, same same thing, but by non-COVID deaths. It says what the data set also includes is age standardized mortality rates by age group and vaccination status for all deaths. However, they've conveniently left out the data for children. I guess that was just an accident, right? These, you know, these people are, these children are being just devastated by this and only included data on age groups over the age of 18, even though they're giving shots to kids right now. So but why would they include that? It's so clearly this. And again, for my point, my point from the beginning of all of this 2020 forward, the reason they've never made this the same, whether the PCR cycle threshold or anything. So there's no core, there's no correlation between other, you know, there's no, they're not using the same metrics or the same policy, the same actions from state to state. So it becomes just possible to follow or country to country. And that's also intentional, 18 over, or, or in this case, bunching together a grouping of 22 years. What they also did in the data is include, is, is bunch all the young adults together, meaning the rates of death are calculated for 18 to 39, a total of 22 years. But for every other age group, the rates of death are calculated for a total of 10 years. That's so transparent, it's ridiculous. Because the, the, the younger groups, as they're pointing out, are having a very obvious problem. But when you conflate it with another group, you can choose to make that look different. It's just so obviously dishonest. Now it says, however, on table nine, which you can see right there, deaths by vaccination status data set, the ONS have inadvertently provided enough details on deaths among children and teenagers by vaccination status for us to calculate the month mortality rate ourselves. And put it bluntly, they're horrifying and make it as obvious and, and make it obvious as to why the ONS chose to exclude children from the mortality rate data set. Now go through this, please, and look at the information for yourself. You'll see when I point about why this is a, a spreadsheet, but you will see that they go down and break this stuff very clearly. And you can see what they're showing you. That ultimately what this breaks down to, and you can see here, is uh, where was it again? Uh, the comparison 
See, I have it up. I have it open on my window here as the spreadsheet, and I have it highlighted, but I don't know where. Anyway, the bottom line is that you can break down the data after breaking down the the excerpt from a different graph and finding out that information, and then and then comparing it with the other one. You break down the information and show that the kids are being hurt exponentially more. And this, and you can see the, they're doing the math for you right there. The point is, this is exactly what we're seeing in every other category, in every other location. All the discussions of children are showing that they are the most affected. They have the least amount of risk and we are putting things in their body that are absolutely hurting them. We're putting them in positions that are absolutely destroying their mental state. We are destroying their understanding of the world. We're destroying their understanding of facial recognition in regard to how they read people's faces, not not like, you know, technology-wise. It It's unreal how we are hurting these children under a guise of helping them. Now, one more point that I wanted to add to this, and in, in, in this is in regard to the vaccine, uh, the pandemic of the injected. As we can see, clearly the ones that are being injected in every category, including children, are being hurt the most. And I think this might have been one of the other reasons why we could have gotten censored. This is what somebody else pointed out. Could be. Either way, it's nice to see that Corbett is shouting us out in the fake news awards, which is always fun to watch. I highly recommend you check it out. But in the section where he's talking about one of the awards in regard to the pandemic of the injected, or rather their fake news about the pandemic of the unvaccinated, Corbett Report shouts us out, and he says, and this is the day before, like right before we get censored, also, there was the fake news narrative about the pandemic of the unvaccinated, that propaganda fairy tale that has been utterly smashed over the past year by Ryan Christian of The Last American Vagabond, who has amply demonstrated that the truth is the polar opposite. In fact, there's a pandemic of the injected. Now, I'm just honored, as always, when Corbett decides to shout out our work because he's top of the top for, in, my, in my mind for the, the work that we should strive for. But, you know, it, when it gets to a point to where you're really breaking through, that's where they try to censor, right? I mean, that's what it's really about. And this brings us over to one of the other parts about this. And I find this to be really powerful. This is from Chris Masterjohn, I guess, PhD. And it says January 27th. This is a really interesting concept. The pandemic of PCR negative COVID-like illness. And just before we even jump into it, here's the breakdown of the most recent in a week report from CDC. And here's the information they show. Table one, among adults with COVID-19-like illness. Now, by the way, again, I always point this out how funny it is. Remember in the beginning when all those people that were super in the know and they were just the medical experts because they read what Twitter experts said were screaming that the studies we showed about masks from CDC that said flu-like illness because they were done before COVID-19 didn't apply because you guys are too dumb to know. Well, obviously they did. Because as we said, anybody that understood this stuff, which they didn't, knew that that's how you do this because you make studies about respiratory viruses and you use things like influenza-like illness or COVID-like illness, which applies to COVID and flu and the rest of the things that are like it. That's how they do this. And that's why they're doing it now. So it's just so funny how that's we watching these things escalate. And those same people that said you were wrong will pro- probably don't even know anymore that they remember doing that. They've somehow been convinced that they were always right, just like Scott Adams. But as it shows you, all events, and this is emergency department and, and uh, critical care, I think, or what was UC? It was urgent care. And it shows you the total number in this category. This is from August 21st to January, uh, August 2021 to January 2022. It's a big, big, big period, an important period too. Shows you th- this column was 222,772. That's a, That accounts for 100% of what we're discussing. The unvaccinated, you can see 47% here, 105,000, they say, in regard to emergency reports. But what's interesting here, when you look at this, and by the way, as I always point out, I mean, the number is 
basically the same when you add up the people who are injected. That's not what we're getting into here, though. Oh, also point out that they just casually leave out one dose altogether now. Why? Because that's also exploding for them. Because the one dose in 14 days, don't forget, is literally where everything is happening. That is where everything, Alberta accidentally posted this and then had to delete it because they didn't want anybody to see it. And this is where it shows you that cases, hospitalizations, and deaths, you can see that the majority, 55% of the deaths, in fact, are happening in general, are happening within the first 14 days of the first shot. That is huge. And of course, nobody talks about it in the mainstream because they're terrified. Nobody talks about it in the independent, the quasi-independent media because they're not supposed to talk about it yet. They'll get the permission from YouTube soon enough. But here, or we're here, the point was they removed that one dose. And then they even moved two doses before. It was the first, it says two doses less than 180 days earlier and then two doses after, then three dose. You notice how they just keep arbitrarily changing the metrics? It just It's so they can make it however they want. They're playing Yahtzee over here. They're rolling out the dice until they get what they want. But here's the main point. Out of all of this, all of the 222,000 people that ended up in the hospital during this time frame, only 24% of them tested positive for COVID. 24%, that's 53,719. That's it. Now, you'll see why this is interestingly important. As he calls it, the PCR negative COVID-like illness pandemic. In late October, the CDC had circulated a headline that the COVID vaccines were are more than five times as effective as natural immunity, which has been just embarrassingly broken apart by even experts on their side. It's just pathetic what they tried to do right there, just like every other time. And yet people still pretend they can be trustworthy. I pointed out that the real story was the hint from this paper that there is a pandemic of the PCR negative COVID-like illness hospitalizations that is six times more common in fully vaccinated individuals than in natural immune individuals. Now he'll make he'll make this clear in the in the information. It's all right there in the report. So sort of just like the report they put out, like that natural immunity argument, and argued that it was the side of the injected that was better. And then when you actually broke down the data, it was the exact opposite. I mean, it's just these people are painfully dishonest right now. But he goes on to say, they had taken a sample of over 200,000 people hospitalized for respiratory failure, pneumonia, trouble breathing, fever, vomiting, diarrhea, and whittled this down to roughly 7,000 people who had had at least two PCR tests more than three months apart, who were either fully injected but never infected or previously infected but never injected. So you can have, you know, that's the the breakdown. In this subgroup, 85% of people were fully injected and 94.4% of them tested negative for COVID. Now, if that's all you heard, you might say, there you go, which is what they're doing. It's working, right? That's what they're trying to say. Now, this is a combination of what we're going to get into next, I think, and the fact that this is just generally less dangerous for most people. And all we're really seeing are the injection problems being caused by that new that thing or whatever else. And that's not being associated with COVID in a lot of ways. And this is the point. The remarkable fact that 94.4% of people hospitalized for COVID-like illness, which, by the way, doesn't have to mean COVID, didn't have COVID. The fact that 94.4% of those people hospitalized for COVID-like illness that didn't have COVID should have been the biggest story. The, the vaccines could be 100% effective against COVID in quotes. But if all that means is making someone test negative while they are hospitalized for respiratory failure, it's completely meaningless. You get the point? These people are already in the hospital for what we just described, pneumonia, respiratory failure, trouble breathing, vomiting, fever, all these things. And then they test them. Oh, you don't have COVID. And that gets heralded as a success. 
because they don't have COVID, because that's all that matters in this clown world right now. As long as you don't die from COVID, we're succeeding. That's all they're doing. And these people, 94.4% of them, in fact, didn't get tested or didn't get positive COVID, yet they're still in the hospital for respiratory failure and other sorts of serious things. Isn't that interesting? The, and and they're in, most of them are injected, and we'll get into it. What we didn't know at the time was whether the data looked similar in the big sample of over 200,000 hospitalizations. If they did, then we should have just ceased talking about, quote, COVID hospitalizations altogether, because most hospitalizations for COVID-like illness, which by, also includes COVID, think of it that way too, would not be included in those numbers. And now we have the bigger data set. This week's MMWR, which is the one we were just looking at, provides further evidence for the pandemic of the PCR-negative COVID-like illness, which don't forget is just one part of the pandemic of the injected. It says, while the headline is that booster shots were highly effective during both Delta and Omicron, which is not even true. Again, we keep showing the data that basically they're barely, they're not even remotely close to as effective as they claimed they were before. I mean, you can see the breakdown right there. 86 in regard to Pfizer versus 55%. So how can you pretend that they're super effective when they're basically well, a little less, a little more than half of what they were before, but then it jumps down to 16 after 30 days, 9% by 60, and then increases to 76%. You have a negative efficacy after 90 days, which means you have a 76% increased risk of getting sick, which by the way, they try to pretend is a statistical anomaly because of things we're not sure about, except that it's being proven to be true by everything we're seeing in the real world. Everything. The fact that you're seeing an explosion after 30, after three months, that they're aggressively trying to get you to get injected as fast as possible after three months. It's pretty obvious, guys. There's a problem right there. Not to mention everything we're seeing now flushed out by things just like this. Now it says that they're saying it was highly effective during both Delta and Omicron, which is simply not true, and that all unvaccinated persons should start vaccinating as soon as possible. That's, the, that's what their breakdown is from that information. Even though the information shows them that the vast majority of people injected are in the hospital, but not from COVID, so we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> Think about how crazy that is. It says we need to look for the far to see the elephant in the room. That's what the report is saying, the author. The paper analyzed 222,772 encounters from emergency departments and urgent care centers and 87,904 hospitalizations from 259 hospitals between the end of August and the beginning of January. Every single person in this study had COVID-like illness, defined as respiratory failure, pneumonia, dis dis trouble breathing, vomiting, fever, and diarrhea. Many of them, most of them, right? Not just one or the other, but kind of like suffering from all of this. And that's why they're calling it COVID-like illness because usually, you know, I usually get the flu or whatever else, all of those things can happen. That's what the point is. And all of them had a PCR test within 14 days before or three days after admission. The study was looking at efficacy of mRNA vaccines. So anyone who got the J&J &J shot was excluded. That's important because we're always focusing on mRNA here because that's clearly the plan. But interestingly enough, why would they do that, right? If your whole point is to find out whether these injections are good or safe, or rather people who were hospitalized, if it was working, you know, the, the, the focus of this, why would you exclude the other injections? Doesn't that inherently tell you without saying it that mRNA are the only ones they care about? I, I just, I find that very, very revealing. But anyway, among the 222,772 emergency room and urgent care visits for COVID-like illness, 76% tested negative for COVID. Among 87,904 hospitalizations for COVID-like illness, 79% tested negative for COVID. 
The first thing that we can say is the vast majority of hospitalizations for COVID-like illness, almost 80%, test negative for COVID. And don't miss the point that they're all already in the hospital. And all of these people that are injected are being tested negative while currently being in the hospital for severe problems. Now, it says among the ER and urgent care visits, the majority were in the vaccinated. Now, the point here, I, I, I actually didn't highlight this because it's a different conversation in a way. And it gets into the idea that the study was designed in a way that made it so you don't really know the percent, the grouping. So you can't really come to the conclusion about the per risk 100,000, the risk per 100,000. So what, all, the point is, nonetheless, that the majority of both ER and urgent care and hospitalizations were all in the injected, but a, a small majority, 53%, 57%. But that's not the point. The point is what he's getting at. And I find this to be huge. No one is talking about the 79%. It is a pandemic of PCR-negative COVID-like illness, he said. Among those hospitalized for COVID-like illness, those vaccinated were far less likely to test positive for COVID. Calculating vaccine efficacy from this, a third shot of one of the mRNA vaccines was 94% effective against COVID-associated hospitalization during the Delta-dominant period and 90% effective during Omicron period. But efficacy means that they helped you get a a negative PCR test while you were hospitalized for respiratory failure and other symptoms of COVID. Like, I don't understand why that even makes sense. Just because you didn't test positive, it's a success, and they herald 90% of efficacy while they're testing you in the middle of respiratory failure in a hospital. All they're going to go, oh, well, you must have something else. COVID, we win, we're done. The previous study of this sort had found that there were six times, six times more fully vaccinated people hospitalized for COVID-like illness when compared to naturally immune people. That shouldn't be shocking at all. This seems to suggest that prior infection actually keeps you out of the hospital while vaccination makes you test negative. And that's your breakdown. So you're good. everyone out there taking these injections, screaming, we're helping everybody. Your result simply makes you test negative if you want to look at it that way. And then you end up in the hospital and all sorts of other things, heart attacks, blood clots, neurological problems, Bell's palsy, and everything else that seems to be overwhelmingly happening right now. But you tested negative though. So you are good to go. Goes on to say, I'm obviously being facetious. What could explain why vaccinated people would be so much less likely to test positive when winding up in the hospital with the same symptoms? Now, to be clear, we don't know. But I like, he's thinking the same things I am. He could think of two reasons. Viral competition, he says. The vaccines make you less likely to get COVID. So you don't get a, so you get a different respiratory virus instead. Now, I don't, I don't think, I mean, you could argue it's possible. I don't think that's what's happening because I honestly think that everything they're doing is simply just increasing their risk of catching anything. And it might just be that COVID is really not what we're dealing with. Either way, that's, it's likely that you could argue that they just reduce, just remove the first part. Just simply say the vaccines make you, make you more likely to catch respiratory viruses. That's how I look at it or whatever you want to think about it as that you wear this mask and you take this injection and it, you get immune dysregulation. So then you're just going to generally get sick with other infections and whatever else is happening. And that's why. And those aren't being called COVID for plenty of obvious reasons. And some of them are though, right? You have to factor both those in because doctors would still report some of them. So maybe there's honest people out there. Maybe the person that got it is forcing it in because they got forced to take the shot. They want it to be reported. Some of it is happening, but by and large, you can see that they're very obviously playing a game here. But then here's the most important part. Antibody dependent enhancement. The vaccine makes an immune response in your body, but you get a worse inflammatory reaction that gets you hospitalized with the same symptoms, but it doesn't get diagnosed as COVID-19 and it won't test positive for COVID-19. 
you, I mean, we must know that's what's happening to some degree. I mean, this has been such an obvious reality from day one that even Fauci admitted it before we got here, but now he calls it fake news because he doesn't want you to see it. There's another element to safety. And that is if you vaccinate someone and they make an antibody response and then they get exposed and infected, does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse? And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study, not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. This would not be the first time, if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. We know those signals from SARS-CoV-1. We've seen this in, in cat coronavirus vaccines where cats ended up with this horrible inflammation swelling of the stomach and about 30% of the cats died. So we know once you prime somebody with an antibody and that antibody is good, great. But if you prime them with an antibody that is not good, sit back and pull out the popcorn because we're going to be seeing something horrific happening immunologically to a population down the road. Very clear. I mean, and this has been that clear from day one, as you know, because we've been talking about the study that tells you that. And I'm, I, I won't uh, go into it again today, but I'll just include it as always. I don't know why I always forget to grab these, but... <laughs> This is an important one that's also been there from the very beginning, December 2020, peer-reviewed March 21st, and just simply tells you that peer-reviewed or informed consent is not being done, and it's simply because antibody-dependent enhancement is specific and significant. It's very clearly found in December 2020, right? They know about it, obviously. If Fauci is able to express that it's there, obviously they know about it, right? There's, there's just no way to misunderstand this. So that's part of it. He goes on to say, in order to begin grappling with this, we need to study the 79% of hospitalizations for COVID-like illness that test negative in greater detail. But they'll never do that because that might poke into something that will expose their narrative, right? But what his point is, we should find these grouping that are in the hospital with respiratory failure that aren't sick with COVID, and yet they have an injection and find out what's going on and why so many more vaccinated people are in this position that are getting discounted because it's not COVID-19, yet obviously has a, a bearing on whether the injection is safe and, or whether it's increasing the risk of getting sick, which it clearly is based on the peer-reviewed science that shows that. It says, what is causing these? What A different virus, an inflammatory reaction to a rapidly cleared SARS-CoV-2 infection. To begin studying this, we must first admit that it exists. Obviously, that's always the first step. Right to solve a problem, the first step is is admitting that we have one. It is the pandemic that no one dares speak of, the pandemic of PCR negative COVID like illness. I mean, again, that added on top of everything we're showing you, I think, is just undeniable. And just to make this point clear, right now, talking about the hospitalization, here you go in Ontario, still for what the fourth week, third week straight, having the majority of people in the ICU being fully injected. And that's just this category. Then you can add on the partially injected and it gets even further, 60%. The point here, guys, they keep telling you the majority of people in the hospital are the uninjected, and that's plainly not true, but they keep saying it. How do we not see how dishonest this is by now? And I, and I say that every time, obviously, I'm talking about the people that are watching and still believing their narrative, not everybody in the chat, as always. It's just so clear. Not only are they lying about it, 
it's also obvious that it, it is overwhelmingly on one side. I mean, just look at the hospital in general, over 75%. And that adds to what he's saying almost exactly. But then again, just to be clear on this, what we need to remember is that the 90-day period is so very important. Their study, in case you forgot which one this was, Vaccine effectiveness against SARS-CoV-2 infection with Omicron or Delta variants following two doses of a Danish cohort study. I mean, this is all over the place, right? The point is that it's very clear. Both Moderna or Pfizer have a negative efficacy after 30 days. Now, ask yourself this. If this was somehow because of some statistical error, why would it be the same way on Moderna? I mean, they're they're playing games with you. The bottom line is, even if that is not true, ask yourself why it makes sense that having 16% relative risk reduction after 30 days makes sense at all with something that's supposed to work. And that's even talking about reduction of their severe illnesses or moderate uh, symptoms, excuse me. That's not even talking about transmission. Transmission is off the table. Doesn't happen. It doesn't work. I mean, doesn't stop transmission, I'm trying to say. 9.8% relative reduction after 60 days, increased risk after 90. Now, don't forget, their data also shows you that within the first 9 to 12 days, you have a 50% increased risk of getting sick with COVID. Then it goes back down. Then it drops off very quickly after one month, two months, three months, and then goes drastically back up. So you, you, don't, you have less than a three-month period of time where you're even remotely having an effect. In every other time frame, you're increasing your risk. This seems, this seems like almost an addiction, doesn't it? Like you just have to keep this going. That's why they're hiding the one shot again. Now, including this tweet, which I'm trying not to these days anyway, but he just shows you the data, includes the links and everything you can see, the increased risk. It's unreal. They're hiding more than almost half of the problem in the first 14 days of the one shot. And on top of that, I'll just include this for you guys to continue to look at. This is why these things are happening. They don't have the information to know it's safe and they're pushing it anyway, even if they pretend they're approving this stuff. This is the section under their recent report about community, which is supposed to be their approved one, that's talking about information they don't have. Missing information, pregnancy. They don't know if it's safe for pregnant women or breastfeeding. They don't know if it's safe for immunocompromised, even though they're pushing it on them first. They don't know if it's safe for frail patients with comorbidities. That literally means elderly people. I'm, I'm not making this stuff up. It's right there. Limited information on whether it's safe to give elderly people the injection, but we're giving it to them quickly because they need it first, and then they're dying in the most numbers. But no, it's because it's supposed to happen. You don't understand it. Oh, really? How about in the beginning with New York, where the most people that gotten in, I mean, it's obvious that this is what they're doing to these people. They are pushing it on them. They're collecting them in one area. It's bad. But if they don't know if it's safe, how can you rationalize giving it to them? Autoimmune inflammatory disorders. They don't know if it's safe alongside the flu injection. They're doing it anyway. They literally don't have long-term safety data, as it says right there. Long-term safety data is unknown. But we're, but we're conspiracy theorists, right? And don't forget that the injection they just approved for Moderna is still based on the Wuhan isolate right now. So as they're rushing out things for Omicron because they're admitting this thing's not working, and as the Atlantic just openly reported that we don't want another shot for the original thing because that's like giving uh, like taking a test with an old textbook. It's not going to work. And The truth is it could hurt you pretty seriously. And that's what this is talking about. The antibody dependent enhancement risk, ADE, right there. They're telling you this is dangerous from 2020. And yet here they are approving a shot based on the original isolate. You know why? Because they're looking at data from last year and saying, look, it works. We can tell while they're simultaneously telling you that these things aren't working because it's not. You see what I'm saying? This is a game. This is a shell game. They are playing you right now. It's unreal.
Now, meanwhile, as we're seeing all of this stuff, you have Oakland in California starting February 1st today requiring proof of vaccination at indoor public locations. See what I told you about how the mandate was really just kind of a, a ploy, even though they were trying, I think, but they're doing it anyway. They don't need that because Biden's administration already made it clear that they wouldn't hurt. They're not going to actually apply the law if you're forcing things like this. It's okay. Go ahead and break the law because we agree with you. So Oakland is already forcing vaccinations or requiring proof of it, which is the same difference in these locations. I should say making being coercive with it. Meanwhile, same time frame, same country over here, Denver, dropping masks, dropping mandates this week. Want to make sense of that? Like, this is how broken we are. Like, we're, it's, all they're going to try to frame this as is anybody doing this is going to be the bad guy, right wing extremist, even if they're not. And like, as if they're not able to come to their own logical conclusions based on information as, as a state or, excuse, you know, I mean, in general. And then Oakland, same time frame, doing the exact opposite direction based on the same information, mind you, but really not based on the narrative. Whereas it appears that Denver is at the very least rolling back because they're afraid of their people that are mad about what they're doing. Or maybe they're looking at new information and realizing it. Either way, the information's obviously backing up this because even Johns Hopkins is now coming out going nothing. Near zero effect on what we're talking about. But Oakland doesn't care, right? That's what they do. Politics. Now, I don't mean just Oakland. I mean politicians. But on top of that, here's Denmark. National Board of Health misinforms parents about corona vaccines for children. I guess this is all over the place. It's Danish Health and Medicines Authority. If you, as a parent, are in doubt about whether to have your child vaccinated against COVID-19, it is obvious to seek information from the health authorities. I don't, I don't agree with that even remotely. But what they're saying is that's what people are supposed to think. But the agency's arguments have not been updated in relation to Omicron, which means since what? Like a quarter, like since the, what, probably August, September of last year. So. They're keeping information live on their website that literally misinforms them in dangerous medical ways. Right. So, but we're dangerous by telling you the up-to-date current information that's just simply so far ahead of the mainstream narrative that we're not allowed to talk about it. Right. But it says, and a question answer section on vaccines of children states, among other things, listen to this. This is what it still says on the website right now. Quote, We know that the vaccines are safe and effective and provide good protection against being infected with COVID-19. Right. Not reducing symptoms. They're still literally arguing that it stops transmission. That's how, that's how far behind they are because my point about talking points, that's acceptable. No one would even care about that other than people calling it out like the government or the U S government. They don't care. Continue to lie to them as long as it works in our narrative. It also states that there are only eight, only look at this few cases where people become infected with COVID despite vaccination. Ha! You mean the majority? You mean the majority and the increased risk per 100,000? By far, aggressively on the side of the injected? Yeah, quite a bit different than a few cases. But it's okay to lie as long as you lie on the side of their narrative. But as it says down here, it puts the parents, or excuse me, some of the information that the National Board of Health provides to parents is obviously outdated, he says. It puts the parents who seek information about vaccines in an unnecessarily bad situation. By bad, you mean dangerous, right? Yes. Unit head of the National Board of Health says that the new recommendations are on their way. Meanwhile, they're still posted incorrectly. Here we are. Think about how incredible that is. 
Now, a couple last points here from The Guardian. New South Wales reports 52 COVID deaths in the deadliest day of the pandemic as son of Omicron cases emerge. I, I, I honestly don't even think that that's what this, I don't even think that's there. Just an opinion, but I'll show you the, the research. And here's an interesting point. New South Wales has recorded its deadliest day of the pandemic so far, reporting 52 deaths from COVID in the last 24 hours. Now, here's the interesting part is that this is Omicron. That's what they're telling you, that it's Omicron is the majority. Everywhere, anywhere, anything you look at right now, across the world will tell you the data shows that Omicron is less dangerous, maybe more transmissible, but less. They're even trying to make arguments about why being less dangerous is eventually more dangerous. So it's very clear they've admitted it's less dangerous, but they just don't want to make that clear to everybody. Okay. So if you see 52 deaths in the last 24 hours, and that's the biggest they've ever seen, but they're telling you Omicron is what it is, how does that even make sense? Well, it makes sense when you realize the people that are injected are clearly causing a lot of problems. But it says Dr. Carrie Chant Chant confirmed four cases of the new Omicron subvariant. That's it. Four cases, not deaths, four cases. And yet they're, they're literally framing the title as if that was what caused those deaths. Think about how willfully dishonest that is. New reports, 52 deaths and deadliest day of pandemic as son of emerge. Okay. You are trying to make that sound like Omicron's new thing caused 52 deaths. You have four cases of this new thing you're saying. And 52 deaths in the biggest thing ever. During a time when you're telling us it's something that's less dangerous. I don't buy any of this for a second. Or if it is on it, true, it's because there's being something else being framed as COVID deaths. Maybe, or most likely, the first 14 days of the shot being dumped into unvaccinated. And that, I believe, is what's happening. It says, quote, this is a sublineage, a sort of breakaway from Omicron. <laughs> so eventually this is going to become its own thing and they're going to call it something else or whatever. Is it a variant? It, what? What? It's, it's sublineage of this and a breakaway from Omicron. It's just there. It's abstract. It's ridiculous. It's supposed to be more defined than this. This is politicians just waxing intellectual about something they don't seem to understand. And here's my point about that. We know that it is circulating in countries that we have seen it grow significantly. I don't know how anybody thinks they know this when we've shown definitively that most of these places have almost completely stopped genomic, genomic sequencing of these things, Israel being one of them. And on top of that, they simply don't have the resources, as not even the U.S. has the resources, to do it for all these cases across the board. So they're lying to you. And they're using things like the S. Gene dropout discussion to say it's there, which even the CDC, I'll show you next, says you shouldn't do. Or excuse me, WHO and the FDA say. But here's the main point. At, it says, at the moment, we don't see that it is presenting anything differently clinical in terms of severity or response to the vaccine, but we'll obviously be watchful. So you're, so you're starting out by saying we have all these deaths, but then you literally say it doesn't seem more dangerous. So, you, so you're, liter you're openly hyping something that you don't know is more dangerous by hiding it behind death that we can, in my opinion, are, are because of the injection. It's oozing dishonesty. Chat said the new variant contains, contains the S gene that characterized the Omicron variant, but said special genomic sequencing was required to get a handle on its distribution. So if you remember my reports, hopefully you've already caught why this is so important. Before I go forward, I'm going to say 31 of the people, he says, that died were aged care residents, with only two of them having received booster shots. And you know what that admits to you? First of all, that 31 out of the 52 deaths they're screaming about were already in aged care homes. 
So there's your with and from conversation, multiple comorbidities conversation, or maybe because they're driving the situation, situation, right? I mean, there's a lot of things to point out about how ridiculous that continues to be, that this is a pandemic of the nursing homes situation. <laughs> but on top of that, they admit that only two of them had the booster. You know what that means? The rest of them were fully injected. The rest of them who died had full injections, which they're still calling fully injected too. It's just, it's pathetic how obvious this is. But here's the per, the most important part. He's telling you, or I should make clear, this could be that the Guardian doesn't know what they're talking about and misquoted him or mistyped it. That's certainly possible. But chat said the new variant contains the S gene that they claim characterized the Omicron variant, except that's the exact opposite of what's happening. Here is the WHO talking about Omicron and what it says. Several labs have indicated that for one widely used PCR test, one of the three target genes is not detected, called S-gene dropout or S-gene target failure. And this test can therefore be used as a marker for this variant, pending sequencing confirmation. So the point, again, is that everybody out there using the S-gene thing to tell you it's there aren't doing what they're supposed to, and this gets more clear under the FDA. But the point being, it's an, the S-gene is not being seen. Uh, this is even clearer for the FDA page. It says, the FDA's analysis to date has identified certain emergency use authoriza- authorized molecular tests whose performance may be impacted by mutations of SARS-CoV-2 Omicron variant. And this is where I want to get into, I want to remind everybody that I think what's happening here, this is, this is a negative test being turned into a positive test. That's what this sounds like to me. Because before this, that if it wasn't detecting all of those, it was deemed a negative So you literally turned a negative test into suddenly a positive. And what do you know? A spike in cases that aren't more dangerous or maybe not there. It says these tests fall into two categories as described below. Those that are expected to fail to detect SARS-CoV-2 Omicron variant and those that are expected to detect SARS-CoV-2 Omicron variant with a specific gene dropout detection pattern, which now these new ones have been altered to fit that pattern. So is it possible that they just change these to find to see this as what it's not? Like, if some of these weren't seeing it, isn't it possible that those were accurate and the other ones were, you know, see what I mean? But it says, due to the inability to these tests to detect the SARS-CoV-2 Omicron variant, the FDA recommends these tests should not be used until the issue of the test's inability to detect the variant is resolved. Jumping down here to that, it says, under potential impact, the pattern of SARS-CoV-2 detection with one gene dropout may provide a signal that the Omicron variant may be present so that sequencing can be considered to characterize the variant. However, testing positive for SARS-CoV-2 with one of these tests, when it says negative because one of the genes wasn't detected, does not mean an individual is infected with the Omicron variant. Further, not all patient samples with the Omicron variant even display a mutation that leads to the gene dropout. See, what this sounds like to me is that nothing means anything and that you're calling a negative a positive and sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. And if you get it, it's positive. But if you don't get it, it's also positive. Therefore, the Omicron variant may still be present without a gene dropout detection pattern. So all these governments that are using that without gene genetic sequencing, which is all of them, because most of them don't even have even remotely the effort to the ability to do so remember but when this um, when omicron started the u.s government had genetically sequenced less than one percent of every case they saw that that was reported by the mainstream media so how are we pretending they somehow automatically know 90 percent is here 
if the entire time until Omicron, they'd only gotten less than 1% sequenced. It's a lie. And then the CDC even got caught when they admitted they were estimating this, even though they were yelling at you that they knew, then suddenly they rolled it back to 25% instead of 75%. And then a week later, it was back to 90% everywhere. It's just narrative, guys. They're all over the place. And I don't think they lost control of that with the media. The media has never got the message about how it went back to 25. And they just said, okay, let's just keep it 100%. I mean, that's my opinion. But at the end of the day, none of that makes sense. And here we are staring at the reality that this is not consistent at all. And then back to this point, he's telling you the opposite of what that says. He's saying, look, we found the new variant and it contains the gene dropout just like Omicron did. That's the opposite. You're not finding it, at the very least, not seeing it if it is there. So it just, I, I, nothing means anything. It's just, I mean, this is ridiculous. Now we have a new thing that's not there too, and it contains a thing that we used to say it wasn't there, but they're the same and they're not. And we're sequencing, even though we can't, we don't have the ability to because we don't have enough resources, but we're all, we have a handle on it. And the vast majority that actually died were in the, the care homes and they all had their shots, but it's the pandemic of the injected, uninjected, right? I'm saying it all confusing, but the bottom line is, guys, this is so ridiculous. They frame it how they want. They lie about the title. They manipulate information. They make negatives, positives, and it just it's, it's just whatever they want it to be. Now, to finish, guys, to wrap this up today, I want to make sure we see that there is a lot happening around these movements, the Freedom Convoy. And I can, I can promise you that right this moment, there are already people that have been co-opted. There are already people that have been manipulated. There are already people in positions of power in this movement that are probably already with ulterior motives. Happens every single time. I mean, don't think about something like the Occupy Wall Street movement. Don't forget that that was verifiably proven that they had an FBI agent that found themselves into a leadership position and then drove that movement into the ground because it was popular and because it wasn't, it was leaderless. And that's what I like about those things. We didn't, there's not people, they didn't have somebody they could manipulate, but then they had somebody co-opted. They had something. And that's when they started creating the movements and acted like there was leadership groups and they took control of it and then drove it to the ground, made it look ridiculous. When they had something that was working, it, it's kind of what we're doing now, standing in their way, not streets and businesses, but the capitals and not storming the capitals, but surrounding them, blocking them down and, and just peacefully protesting and stopping them from being able to move and conduct business until they stop the illegal actions they're conducting them. So they're, they're carrying out. Now, this is the first one from February 7th. And it's very important to read what it says because they're going to misrepresent this because they want to. And they're all oh, to pretend that what they say here is not true. And they're only pushing this because secretly they hate us and they are and they hate black people and they're Nazis and they're white threat, which nothing, and despite them overtly saying the opposite. It says, this is not about vax or anti-vax. It's about people's right to choose. It's not about politics. It's about the freedom of the human race. Now, once we, if, if and when we see this kind of take an aggressive slant towards the right, I will begin to think this has been completely co-opted, the role of the 2024, and make it about something that eventually drives us right back into the place we were moments ago. While all the people that should be fighting it are pacified because they think Trump is on their side. But it says, and I really hope that doesn't happen, each convoy will block its own capital to demand an end to the tyrannical rules. And here's the map. This is huge, guys. This is a peaceful action. That's the important part, a peaceful action. Now, regardless of whether somebody that goes out there and does some violent thing, that doesn't, in, that doesn't mean everybody there is violent. In fact, it's the opposite. That person will be called out by the people there, which is what we're going to see. The permanent end to martial law, never again right to travel, choose your own health, right? The same things we're talking about. Now, the next one is February 14th. 
And a, that's after the capitals. They're all supposed to converge on Brussels, apparently. 14th, February 14th, all convoys will arrive in Brussels to demand an end to tyrannical rules. This is not about VAX. Same thing. We should support this, guys. Simply because it's having an effect. But we need to make sure this becomes, this always stays nonpartisan. It's, it, it's, if the moment this becomes left and right, we lose. That's why the Yellow Vests was very resistant to the aggressive a- attempts to make it partisan. Like when they tried, like the QAnon movement tried to co-opt the Yellow Vests. Remember that? I did a whole report on that. They had tried, they came out with, they tried to make it their own. They were sharing all these memes that made it their thing and added the list of demands. It was all QAnon stuff. That was a PSYOP, guys. They were trying, the, Q, the, the Yellow Vest movement put it down immediately. That's what it needs to be like. And that's where we need to go. Now, Unfortunately, on Twitter, this person is pointing out, U.S. truckers are organizing and planning a coast-to-coast convoy to protest the mandates. They want to beat the size of the Canadian convoy. Their goal is to have 700,000 trucks protest from California to D.C. Every city only has 24 hours of food supply on hand. We, we need to keep this going. Now, it doesn't have to be truckers. Start do, I think this needs to start immediately growing. Start going to your local area. Having peaceful, sit-down, non-violent protests and making this happen to where they can't do what they're supposed to. Now, I, the, the idea of like how the Black Lives Matter and Antifa stuff where they're blocking traffic on roads and stuff, that's hurting the people. We don't want to do that. We want to hurt. We don't want to hurt. We, or, you know, we want to affect change in their lives. We want to stop them from being able to conduct their illegal mon- mandates and conduct their illegal policy and their complete disregard for you. That's what we want to stop. Last one, by the way, this was the very last tweet that I was literally trying to share right when I realized my account was gone. Dutch truckers drive a convoy through Friesland, Netherlands, inspired by the Canadian events. This has gone global. I said that on my other report a few days ago. Trucker movements goes global. This is everywhere. And which, by the way, I promise you will end up being used against us. Something will be carried out. But that, that we need, it doesn't mean this is all bad. I'm concerned they're going to carry out some kind of serious event, just like they did at the Capitol. And it's going to be, they're trying to make this January 6th for Canada. But now that it's gone global, it's going to be hard to do. But it's pretty inspiring, guys. You can just see. Long train, long train. I mean, it's everywhere. It is everywhere. And the mainstream media is entirely ignoring it, if not pretending it's like three trucks and a fringe minority, which is obviously the point. But to finish off, guys... I'm going to play the entire video, six minutes of this outstanding Clown World Volume 47, because it really is that ridiculous. When you, and you please stand through and watch this, because you will see every single key player almost involved tied back to the Young Global Leaders Movement and supporting openly when they were there the Great Reset that they now pretend they know nothing about. It's just that simple if you choose to open your eyes. It's always been there. It's been in front of you the entire time. It's about whether you have the eyes to see it. Thank you for tuning in today, guys, and continue to support us wherever you can. Super U, Super U Shouts, all of other platforms, Odyssey, BitChute, Rockfin, right? This is where you need to go. Now, again, last little moment, if you want to discuss the TLAV pirate posts or whatever, I think that's what we're going to go with, reach out. If you want to send me your, your credentials to log into Twitter, I will continue to post on it. I'm going to figure out my my game plan here and how we're going to make this effective, but we're going to work it because just like with YouTube, we are circumventing what they thought they had a handle on. And I love it. We are going to start a new movement. We are going to, we don't need their control. They want, they want you to feel like losing that tie is the biggest and most important thing in your life. So if we can make a way around it to where you still have the connections, 
or still have the group that can follow you because they're watching for certain things, then they don't have that control over you anymore. That's powerful. And we need to strive for that because they shouldn't have control over you. They shouldn't have the ability to make that happen and remove things from your life because it's the opposite of what they claim they're doing. You see, what they're doing now is literally, die, the, the, it, it's counterintuitive to the entire setup they argue they're building. It's because they've sold themselves out to fight for something else. They are sycophants of the agenda and they are undermining their own business model to fight for something else. Because whether this was a real thing in the beginning or it was always meant to drive us here, it, they don't care about their stated mandate in Twitter or Facebook or whatever else. They're selling themselves out to reach whatever they're told to do. It couldn't be more obvious. So, as I always say, fight for those that are fighting for you. Vote with your dollar, right? Boycott the groups that don't support you and endorse the ones that do. That's what we can do today. And you see that it's having an effect. And all they're trying to do, I think right now, is step back as quick as possible so we stop recognizing that what we just did worked. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. And I have to say, um, when I mention our names, like this Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, president of, Brazil, of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world. Right. Form. That's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina and uh, it's true in France now. Mm -hmm. I mean, with the president, with a young global leader, but... And so who do we have as we walk, uh, Klaus, in, in, uh, in the different meetings? What type of uh, stakeholders do we have? Are we... The constituencies? Stakeholders, we have... Uh, if, if I look at our stakeholders, we have business, of course, uh, as a very important audience, and we have politics, we have uh, uh, continuous... Uh, uh, partnerships with many governments around the world and of course we have NGOs uh, we have trade unions we have all those different parts media of course media of course and very important um, experts and scientists and academia because if we are looking at the future I think we should look at new solutions and the new solutions will be very much driven by technological uh, developments. And we even have, uh, you even have religious leaders, right? We have religious leaders, we have social entrepreneurs, very important social entrepreneurs. Sunset.
the, the difficulty which we have is to create a consensus in a very empowered world. And that's what we stand for, for the process to integrate people and to create such a consensus. Thank you very much, Klaus. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you.